Hi everyone. Welcome to the Desi Crime podcast. I'm Aryan, your host for this episode, and I'm Ishvara. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon. You thought I was going to say Patreon. Not this time. Nah. I want all of you to go over to our YouTube channel, the Desi Crime YouTube channel, and hit subscribe. And it's free. See, we're not even asking for your money this time. We have videos dropping every Wednesday evening beginning October 5th. All the cases on our podcast that you loved, get ready to experience them in a whole new way. So what's the wait? Go subscribe to the Desi Crime YouTube channel. And with that, we'd like to thank our newest patrons, Devanshi, Ish, and Divya. Thank you for your contributions, and they go a really long way in helping the podcast. Many of us have the fortune of growing up in families—a mother, a father, maybe some siblings. And while sometimes the relationships are loving, often they can be fraught and unhealthy. Hate, jealousy, and vengeance seep into families and tear apart the familial bonds. That is how so many true crime stories start: a family gone awry. But this story is different. This is not the case of a family that doesn't love each other. This is the case of a family that loves each other too much. What does it mean to love someone too much? This is the story where you find that out. This is the story which weaves suicide, murder allegations, incest, cannibalism, and all of that into one unbelievable plot. This is the story of what went down inside Kolkata's house of horror. So you all we have a special request for you. We were nominated for the 2022 Hub Hopper Podcast Awards and it would mean the world to us if you could just go and vote for the Desi Crime Podcast. Link is in the episode description. It would literally take less than a minute and it would mean a lot to us. I know we are pestering you with a lot, Patreon, YouTube and now these awards, but y'all are the Desi crew and we truly appreciate your love. And speaking of love, Aryan, how does too much love and a house of horror go in tandem? Please take us to Kolkata and take us into this house. What's happening there? It's 11th June 2015. It was slated to be a normal Thursday in Kolkata, the capital city of one of India's gargantuan states, West Bengal. Kolkata is an interesting intersection of colonial India and Desi India. On one hand you have the Victorian architecture evident in the old houses and government buildings and on the other you have hordes of police officers in blindingly white uniforms trying their hardest to curtail the busy streets of the city. And like most Indian cities Kolkata is gentrified that is it is divided into richer areas and poorer areas. Hidden away from the hustle and bustle is the posh area of Robinson Street. The day was going on as normal with vegetable vendors hawking their produce and taxi drivers fighting for the next passenger when someone noticed a cloud of smoke coming from a small bathroom window of a house. This was house number 3 on Robinson Street. 
smoke coming from houses in India is not an uncommon sight. But let me remind you, this is a posh area. And the smoke isn't coming out of a chimney, it's coming from a bathroom window. The billowing black clouds catches the eyes of more locals and soon people realize that something is not right. Someone dials 101 and the fire brigade and cops are called. It doesn't take long for cops to show up. Mind you, the police commissioner's house is literally a five-minute walk from house number three on Robinson Street. Again, I'm reinforcing this. This is a posh neighborhood. The cops run to the second floor of that building and firmly knock. But no response. They knock again and again and yet again. No response. By this time, something can be heard from inside the house. The cops hear whispers. And not just any whispers. There is music and hymns in a muffled tone. But no one was opening the door. Who was it inside the house who was talking in tongues but refusing to acknowledge the cops' presence? The fire was still ablaze, so the cops decided to break in. Ashwarya, I don't know the names of the cops present at the scene or how many there were exactly. What I do know is this. Whoever it was that broke into the house couldn't have imagined what they were about to witness. Whoever it was that broke into the house was simply unaware that they will discover one of India's most haunting sights. The door creaked open and the whispers became louder and clearer. And there wasn't one person whispering. The cops on site could hear several people whispering. But what amazed them was that it was all in the same voice saying the same things. It wasn't a living person murmuring these muffled chants and hymns. It turned out to be a recording. A recorded voice coming at a low decibel from five speakers in each of the three rooms of the house and the bathroom and the balcony. Five speakers playing the same thing. A taped sermon by Joyce Mayer, an American spiritual speaker who's a global sensation in the spiritual Christian world. Then, the cops discovered spiritual books that were scattered across the house. On the floor were bundles of clothes and toys lying around. The house wasn't dirty, but it was dusty. It wasn't unorganized, but it was eerie. The cops hadn't walked into a house that had been burgled or ransacked. Truth be told, they had no clue what they had walked into. If you think the blaring sermons from the five speakers were spooky, what happened next is probably etched in the cops' minds forever. It wasn't the whispers, you see, that had brought the cops to 3 Robinson Street. It was the smoke. So it was about time that the cops hurried to find the source of the smoke. A burning smell was traced behind the bathroom door. As the knob was turned and the door was opened, it was clear as daylight what caused the cloud of smoke that had the locals worried. In the bathtub, sitting upright, was a charred human body. The body was that of 77-year-old Arbindo De. In the bathtub was gasoline and matchsticks lying beside him. From a cursory investigation, it appeared that Arbindo De had committed suicide by setting himself on fire. But it didn't require a Sherlock Holmes to figure out this case isn't going to be that simple. Too many things about this house were simply off. 
the next cryptic detail the cops noticed were folded paper notes. Yes, all around the house were handwritten paper notes tucked away in nooks and crannies spread on the floor, hidden in jars and pillowcases as well. Ashwara, what do you make of all of this? Aran, I'm just sitting here wondering, is there a specific genre of crime which is family murder suicide with a religious angle because if it exists it is by far the scariest genre of crime i am yet to witness this is insane i'm terrified ashwara just in researching this i couldn't make sense of it something about recorded chants and sermons playing from speakers just doesn't sit right with that's me that's out of But every nightmare i've possibly ever right, had that's horrible exactly but there was something else that didn't sit right not with me but with the cops there was a smell a stench in the house and you'd be wondering of course uh, there's a charred human body of course there's a stench in the house aryan no no this this stench was distinct from the burning smell radiating from arbindo's body and it wasn't even coming from the bathroom it was coming from elsewhere in the house as the cops tracked the source of this smell it was coming from behind one of the bedrooms of the house they didn't know what lay behind that door But even if they had tried to guess, what awaited them was beyond anyone's wildest imagination. The door was unlocked. As it swerved open, the odor coming from the room overpowered the olfactory senses of the cops. They immediately knew the smell. The smell of a corpse, a rotting corpse. But there was no corpse in sight. In fact, there was nothing in sight. The room was pitch black. The curtains were drawn, the windows were covered with paper, and any single opening in that room was stuffed with cloth. That room was from an alien world, almost made to be kept isolated from the real world. But as soon as the curtains were drawn and light was allowed to enter, the contents of those chambers became all too apparent. In the middle of the room was a bed, and on the bed, tucked away in neatly folded bed sheets, was a well-dressed skeleton. Yes. What? Almost looking as if it were comfortably asleep was a skeleton with clothes on tucked away lying on the bed. Beside the skeleton, which was by the way dressed in women's clothing, were two more skeletons. They weren't human. These were the skeletons of two dogs with ribbons tied on them, with their paws over each other's in an endearing position. But they were dead. dead like everything in that room lying beside the bed was a tiffin with food rotting in it an air conditioner was on full blast teddy bears were arranged on the bed's headboard we have uploaded pictures of the same on our instagram at desi crime so get this right even though everything in that room reeked death and disgust the room was meticulously organized if anything my room right now probably resembles a crime scene more so given how disheveled it probably is but this actual crime scene was so well kept the cops were baffled nothing was making sense this was the skeleton of debjani arobindo's elder daughter both father and daughter were dead but clearly while the father had just passed away Someone's skeletal remains point to the fact that that person has been dead for very very long, long enough for the flesh to decompose leaving only the bones. Did Arbindo kill his daughter and succumb to guilt? Beside Arbindo's burnt corpse, the cops also found a note, 
seemingly a suicide note that read at the end, love you beta, beta being an endearing term for your child. But Arbindo's beta, his child, had clearly been dead for longer than him. So who was it exactly that he intended the note for? It wasn't Devjani. It was Devjani's younger brother, 44-year-old Partho Day. They found Partho in the house, alive, like a clock's pendulum banging his head against the walls of the living room. And in a matter of seconds, this case blew open. It's news reverberating across Kolkata, across West Bengal and hell, even across India. Kankal Kando or the skeleton case captured everyone's mind. They had their lead suspect right in front of them in a delusional state. Parthode was immediately arrested. Let's be honest, nothing makes sense right now. This was unlike any case the Kolkata police had ever come across. And thorough investigating prowess was the need of the hour. And they had their lead suspect in custody as well. So, while cops were investigating the house to look for clues, Partho was being interrogated. He presented at the facility frazzled. He spoke in a low and sweet voice, uncharacteristic of a murderer. You see, even though the police investigation had barely begun, the court of public opinion had concocted their own stories, their own judgments. In the eyes of everyone, Kolkata had just found a psychopath. And his name was Partho Day. Aryan, I have a question. Are these the only members that lived in that house? Is there no mother? Is there no other sibling? Is there no house help? Is this all? That's all. Partho Day, his sister Devjani, and their father Arbindo. They were the only residents of house number three. So, considering the condition in which the house was found, it's not completely unprecedented that the public jumped to a verdict to say that they thought it was the son that had committed the murders. No, not at all. And in fact, I will empathize with the public here in terming him a psychopath as well. Of course, we jump to conclusions faster than we should. But in, you know, what seemed to be uh, a psychopathic murder spree, that's what it seemed to be, at least on the surface. Right, exactly. Yeah. An officer said, quote, Mr. Parthode started behaving abnormally in the morning, raising our suspicions. But he broke down on being grilled. End quote. And once he broke down, the grisly details he shared were as absurd and incoherent as they were unbelievable. Partho was dirty when he presented for the interrogation. His nails were blackened. He smelled like the very corpse discovered in the house. And this is the same man that is living in what looks like a beautiful house from the outside in one of Kolkata's most elite neighbourhoods. But Partho's body odour didn't resemble the room of horrors by accident. It was because, as Partho revealed, he slept there. Partho slept in the same room where his sister's corpse was found. Not just in the same room, he slept on the same single queen's bed beside his sister every night for the past six months. He revealed that Devjani had been dead since November of 2014 and that he had been taking care of her body, or skeleton at least, for the last six months. The tiffin boxes found in the room with rotting food were used to feed Devjani daily, according to Partho. The dog's skeleton belonged to their two pet Labradors that had died last August and September, respectively, shortly before Devjani had died. They were kept there to keep Devjani company, according to Partho. Even if we believe that, what about Arbindo? Partho claimed to be as surprised as everyone else. 
His dad had just committed suicide, or at least it seemed like that, and Partho was naturally in shock. And when accused of killing Devjani, Partho protested. He professed love for his older sister and scoffed at the idea that he could do so much as harm a feather on Devjani's body. In fact, it was the love for his sister that made him take extra measures to capture her memory. Why do you think their bedroom was sealed and darkened so no air came in or left? Partho's twisted logic was that it was to retain the stench of his sister because it reminded him of her. Oh my he said God. he continued to sleep beside his sister even when maggots started infecting her body. <laughs> Now, this is the part in the research, Ashwarya, where I gagged, literally gagged. Reading these details made me choke up. What the heck is happening? I have researched many cases, Burari, Tandoor, you name it, but you or I have never come across anything remotely like this. Never. What in the hell is happening? And that's when the police realized that they might not be dealing with a psychopathic murderer, but a schizophrenic family. The word being thrown in the media was crazy, the crazy day family. When the police realized that there was something other than a murderer in Partho, he was produced in court, booked under Penal Code Sections 269, which is the negligent act likely to spread disease, and Penal Code 176, which is the omission to give necessary information to public officials. Both of these are punishable by up to six months in jail. But keep in mind, he wasn't charged for murder. Because discoveries back at house number three on Robinson Street were revealing that this wasn't simply a murder. The doctors urged the court to send Partho to a mental health facility to be taken care of. Whether a murderer or not, this was a vulnerable human being going through mental insanity that your local police isn't capable of either diagnosing or detailing. The court agreed and sent Partho to the Pavlov Hospital for the mentally ill. I don't whether or not he murdered any of them. I'm still asking how did Devjani die? After all, she was dead. So the cops must have asked him for the explanation, right? What did he say? When the cops initially asked Ishwarya, he didn't answer. He was uncomfortable talking about his sister. But before he was sent to the mental health facility, the media got a chance to ask Partho questions. I found that audio the only interview of Partho from around the time of murder. The following audio is muffled and in both Bengali and English, so bear with us. It's not high quality, so I will provide you a translation. But take note of two things as you listen to it. One is Partho's voice. There is an innocence and sweetness that is disturbing. It's not the voice of a maniacal murderer. And secondly, as most of you are wondering, how did Devjani die? Partho tells the media... just how I've got there's a lot of property which is there in my name I want to go to mother house I want to donate, I want my own Acha apni baba ki jante hain je Devjani ji bhi mara gaye the 
दीदी मारा गुनी उपवास कर ंगुएज But hidden in that beautiful language was a harrowing confession. Dave Jani had apparently died because she had fasted unto death due to religious reasons. Partho said he tried to stop his sister, but her spiritual convictions were just too sure. ardent. So, if for a second we are to believe that she fasted unto death for spiritual reasons, the question arises in everyone's mind: fasting for? What spiritual reasons? What was Devjani trying to achieve? The cops didn't immediately get an answer from Partho, and neither were they allowed to berate and interrogate him any more, because he was now at the Pavlov Center. Once in psychiatric care, the doctors realized Partho needs help, guilty or not. So Partho was on a surface examination, diagnosed with depressive tendencies, and placed under special care. Psychiatrist Sabya Sachi Mitra speculated he might have necrophiliac tendencies where someone has sexual intercourse with corpses. Reporters of a leading Bengali daily visited Partho and returned with a fairly weird account of the man. Though in Bengali the account essentially states that Partho was stinking when the journalist walked in, which according to the doctors was a result of infections he had contracted owing to proximity to the corpses. He was mostly incoherent and agitated. Intermittently he would scream quote Jesus Jesus and occasionally shout for doctors and attendants to come attend him. Quote touch me he demanded. He would only calm down when the doctors would assure him that Jesus and Mary will come and touch him. Three female psychiatrists had come to counsel day. However, he instructed only one of them to see him. The moment she entered the room, Partho asked her to take her clothes oh off. Oh my god. But the psychiatrist told the media that such behavior is common in cases of psychosis. Partho apparently calmed down only when he was told to close his eyes and imagine Jesus and Mary were around him. But soon Partho became amicable towards the doctor. The medication helped and soon the psychosis subsided. He warmed up to the doctors and spoke to them at length. Professor Pradeep Saha director of the Institute of Psychiatry and Professor Ashish Mukherjee head of the Department of Psychiatry interviewed Partho at the hospital ward on June 16th 2015 merely 5 days after this discovery was made Partho gave his story 
He said he took especially good care of the bedroom where Debjani's skeleton lay. Bed sheets and blankets were changed daily and the skeleton was neatly tucked under a blanket with the skull sticking out exactly in the same pose in which she used to sleep when she was alive. He loved her and wanted to spend every second of the day with his deceased older sister. Partho had breakfast, lunch and dinner with Debjani's skeleton. He even used to offer rice, dal, fish, dry fruits, biscuits and even tea to her skeleton. In fact, Partho told a senior police officer in crisp English that she came back to life every night to consume what he had offered her. They used to change bed sheets every day and the room was clean too. But none of this answers the question bothering the masala media, the gossipy general population and the investigators. If Partho loved his sister so much, why did he not stop her from fasting unto death? If at all she did fast unto death in the first place. And what about his father? Did he commit suicide? And if so, why did Arbindo take his own life? There was only so much the cops could find from Partho. The investigation now relied on the contents of the infamous House of Horrors. Whatever the police were to find had to be found there. And boy, did they find things. Ashwara, remember when I said the cops, upon entering the house, found handwritten notes all over the yep. house? Well, they found more. Many more. They found notes hidden in walls, hidden in holes and cracks, in pillow covers and God knows where else. What was in those notes could possibly lead the investigators to the truth. One by one, the notes were pieced together and a jarring discovery was made. One note said, quote, Was this the way my life was to shape up? Another note with a different handwriting replied saying that, quote, God would save him. And then a third note in an altogether different handwriting said that the one who asked the question is, quote, heading in the right direction. Are you telling me, Aryan, that three members of the Day household were writing notes to each other despite living in the same house? Ashwara, that is precisely what I'm telling you. The Day family almost never had verbal communication. We don't know when and why verbal communication in this household ceased, but at some point, communication was primarily through handwritten notes. And it was virtually impossible for the police to organize a million notes in sequence of conversation and identify which one was written by Devjani, which one was written by Partho, and which one was written by Arbindo. During the investigation, Arbindo's autopsy also came back, and it confirmed the cops' initial suspicions. Arbindo had committed suicide. But the cops still didn't know why. They found a suicide note written by Arbindo where he said nobody is to be blamed for his death and that he loved his son because the letter was signed off, Love you, Beta. Debjani's autopsy wasn't really helpful. There is not much you can tell from just skeletal remains other than injuries or trauma. And for what it's worth, Debjani's skeletal remains didn't have signs of injury or physical trauma. The cops must have felt defeated. You see, they are finding so many pieces of evidence, but none of them is leading them to the truth. It's like they are finding puzzle pieces, but almost as if each piece belongs to a different puzzle altogether. That was until they found what you could call the puzzle's instruction manual. The essential piece of evidence that took the investigation closer to the truth. It wasn't one piece of evidence. It was quite a few. Quite a few books. 
For example, the investigators found several drawing books on which Partho had drawn monkeys and dogs in different postures. And mind you, Partho was no Picasso. These drawings looked like a primary school assignment. Cops also found several comics, from Archie's to Amar Chitra Katha and Mahabharat. Many of them had fresh labels from a bookstore on Lord Sinha Road, said an officer. But in that array of books, there was one set that stood out. A set of 10 exercise books. Do you remember those kids' cursive writing exercise books we used to use as children, Ashwarya? Absolutely. All too well. All too well, right? Well, Partho used them kind of differently. Not for exercises, but he used them as diaries, keeping a historical track record of his life. And in them, in those diaries, we meet a new character in the story. Quote, My sister was growing old, and she was asserting her independence. My mother was jealous of her. We went on vacation. My mother made her strip in the bathroom. My mother thinks I'm impotent. She wanted to see me develop a relationship. This is why she used to send a maid servant to my room to excite me. End quote. Welcome, Arti Day. Debjani and Partho's mother and Arbindo's wife. Where was Arti? Well, she had been dead since 2007. What killed her and why was she a central figure in Partho's diary entries even after her death? What began as a probable murder-suicide investigation turned into a salacious story of a delusional family. And while the media was rejoicing in all the spice and gossip they were generating, cops soon realized that Partho might not be the perpetrator, but the victim himself. But to understand that, we will need to dive into Day's complicated family history. And that is the ride down memory lane we'll take together, but in the next episode of the Desi Crime Podcast, where you'll find out why did Aarti ask her own daughter to strip naked? What killed Aarti? What killed Debjani? And what happened to Partho Day? Till then, stay safe, stay crazy, and stay Desi.